0: So let me just rehash, remind you what we've been talking about. If uh, you know, I know a lot of you are in and out through the summer, um, going on vacations, and uh, if you're wondering why we have these two trees up here, uh, especially that disgusting looking one, um, let me remind you of that. It's so much prettier. Okay, <laughs> we started with two trees. Uh, they were exactly the same. Uh, this has like cobwebs in it. And um, they were both, they both had the opportunity for growth. Uh, they both started to show little buds of fruit. They're fig trees. Um, and this one over here, we've actually taken care of. Uh, we, we've watered it, well, except for this week. Um, but we will continue to water it. And we've kept it uh, attached to the root um, and because it's attached to the root, um, it is starting to grow. The figs that were once just tiny are actually starting uh, to grow a little bit. They're starting to get bigger. The trees, I mean, the, the leaves are starting to get bigger, uh, fuller. Um, it, it's looking healthy. It, it's growing uh, because it's staying attached, okay, to the root. John then took, remember, the saw and, can you see it? Kind of not attached oh it's so heavy it's dead (laughs) perfect point it's dry the i pulled one off the other week i don't even think oh here they are like that's the fig okay it's nothing there's nothing to this tree anymore the only thing left is really to pitch it which somebody did a couple weeks ago Um, but we dug it out of the dumpster it is dying The only way this is going to grow is if it stays attached. And so we're trying to show you this example, this illustration that if we don't stay attached, connected, remember the word we used in the very beginning, abide. If we don't abide okay, in the root, it's going to die. And so we're using these trees as an analogy for our lives, that unless we stay connected, attached, unless we abide in Christ in the root, we are going to end up looking like this now every week and they keep falling we've been kind of placing these fake fruit on here as an example of kind of what we do in our own lives we're not producing anything because we're not attached and thus we need to dress it up and make it look good and so we try to show these fruits that aren't real i mean they're right they're paper but we're trying to make it look good we're trying to make ourselves look good instead of staying attached, because staying attached takes time, right? That's kind of why we did name, name the title Seeds of Change, because it's a seed that starts, that God plants in us, right? And as He gives us His Holy Spirit, it starts to produce fruit. And this isn't something that's done overnight. This takes time, days, weeks, months, years, to start to produce this in your life. But ultimately and what you've been hearing me say and everybody else that has been speaking, if you stay connected to Christ, if you abide in Him, you will produce fruit. No other option. Because the root produces the fruit. Okay, And so, kind of another tagline we've used is, don't seek the fruit, seek the root. And so, today I'm not going to tell you, we are speaking on kindness, I'm not going to tell you like a five-step way on how to be kind. Uh, Really, I'm going to try to teach you about what real kindness is in that it would entice you, it would draw you in that you say, I want that, and so I need to stay connected to get that in my life. Okay? So that's kind of uh, a summary of of what we're doing, uh, why we're doing it. Um, So let me ask you this question. Have you ever seen anything uh, that's kind of... Um, maybe, not shocking isn't the word, but one of those instances where you shake your head and just, and just look at humanity, I guess, in general, or maybe a person and say, like, I can't believe they did that. Like, how could they be so insensitive? How could they be so mean, so cruel, maybe so evil? Um, I think of, I have a friend, and when we were kids, uh, he was walking in the woods, and I've told this maybe story before, he finds a dog, a little puppy, just a couple of weeks old, um, in a garbage bag, tied up next to the bank of, like, this little creek. Um, I don't, he must have found it right as the guy dropped it off because it was in, like, a black, hefty, you know, no air, uh, going to get to him bag, and was just tossed in the middle of, like, this, this woods. And so he finds it, pulls this, I mean, tiny little black puppy out. Uh, had a little white, white chest, brings it home, convinces his parents, you know, you have to keep this. Um, I can't believe they let him. They weren't really dog people, but, like, he found and rescued this puppy. Um, and then when people hear about that story, like, some of you even were just like, how could somebody do that? Like, how could you be so cruel? My wife is an animal lover, Um, Have you ever seen those commercials that are like, send us $50 to help abused animals, and then it's all these sad puppies, and they're all, you know, like, beaten and abused, and it's like, she makes me turn the channel because she gets that upset with it because she cannot take it. Me, on the other hand, I'm not saying, like, abusing animals is my thing, uh, (laughs) but, like, I always remind her about our dog. It's a dog, um, like Some of, see uh, This is the reaction I wanted Because for some of you go, how can you be like that They, you know They depend on you, they need you Some of you with your dogs, they're like Your children, even more Than your children are Right, that's not really Like that doesn't really get me shaking my head um, and, and thinking How cruel or mean people are What really gets me um, Is abuse, and it This kind of relates to my job. Is abuse or meanness shown to a child? Maybe a lot of you are the same way, probably, especially if you have kids. When you see somebody being mean, cruel, evil to a child, it's just, like, horrifying. Um, That, to me, is where, like, like, I can't even fathom when somebody is acting a way that's inappropriate to a child. Literally, like, that's what will make me cry because I can't believe, like, the cruelty of somebody the meanness of somebody. Um, I've seen this already starting in my own son as he's starting to grow up. We were at a party recently, um, and he always wants to play with the big kids. You know, I'm always dragging him to youth group, so he thinks he's like, oh, I'm in seventh grade as a three-year-old. And, you know, I'm just one of the guys. And he gets upset when the big kids don't want to play with them because he's like, I'm a big kid. And then when he's with kids his age, he calls them babies. Uh, and he's like, I don't want to play with that baby. When he was maybe two and a half, he said that one time. He goes, I said, oh, do do you like Zachary? No, he doesn't talk. He's a baby. And I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) But we're at this party, and so he's hanging around some other kids that are probably maybe eight, nine years old, I mean twice his size, and he has this balloon, and he's running around with it, and one of the kids takes it from him. And I'm kind of just watching in the corner, you know, trying not to be, you know, like the helicopter parent and just like hovering over him. But, you know, I'm watching and the kid takes it and Prescott is like jumping for it, trying to grab it, you know, running after the kid, laughing, having a ball. But then all of a sudden something switches and Prescott realizes I can't get the balloon. And so he asks the boy, can I please have my balloon back? The boy just keeps laughing and dangling it over his head and like bopping his head with it like it right and this like it just starts to well up in me like i'm like like nine years old this kid is already right like bullying my little three-year-old like i want to go over there not that I. (laughs) could you imagine like local youth pastor accused of strangling nine-year-old boy bopping him over the head with a balloon saying how do you like it I mean, that's what I wanted to do, because then Prescott, when he realized he couldn't get it back, dropped his head, he's got this big pouty face, starts crying, and comes to find me, and I'm just going like, oh, right? Like, that's, that, you know, that's not as, maybe as mean as throwing a puppy next to the river, Uh, but just the cruelty that kids sometimes have, especially towards other kids. Um, There's another example of this. Dina, would you put up that uh, website? SpringMe, formerly known as FormSpring, that's a social networking site. If you're under or over 20, you probably have no idea what this is. Um, It's also, there's another one called Ask.fm, which is much more popular right now. Uh, But basically what these websites do is you create a profile, and then people can ask you questions without you knowing who they are, Right. Look at, this is the reason I put it up. I love their tagline. Ask and answer anything and anybody. Be yourself, be anonymous, be anyone. Join the conversation now. Can you see the recipe for disaster that this is? Okay, I'm just going to harp on it a little bit. I've went, some of your students have these kind of accounts, and they're just open to anybody. And so I can easily go look on them because they'll put it in their Facebook. Hey, go ask me something on Ask FM or, or Spring Me. And so people will go and then they'll ask them questions about themselves that they can then answer um, or not answer, depending on the question. And then it shows you like how many questions I've answered. I've answered 280 questions. But this gets really evil and mean and cruel really quick. Right? It starts, questions start going like, why are you a loser? Okay? Why are you ugly? They get even worse, maybe to shock you a little bit. Why are you a whore at school? I'm not kidding. Okay? Because when I can now do this, I have kind of this, this safety that nobody knows who I am, I am going to be as mean and cruel as possible. I had one girl several years ago that finally deleted her account after me telling her, delete this, delete this. She was going into depression over this. I'm not kidding. Because of how cruel and mean students were. These websites have been openly criticized for causing suicides in teens. All over the world. This is like in tons of different languages. And this has happened all over the world because people just start bullying and picking on them. I read another study um, this week that I found really fascinating and it said that they were studying bullies at school and why they bully. And there's multiple reasons, you know, abuse at home or they've been abused or have never been taught better. But a common thing that came up was they bullied because they liked it. Right? The internet is full of this, right? Just people trolling around. Being mean, cruel, evil. I read one. One. This is I see. This stuff is like unfathom, unfathomable. How somebody can do this? There was a diver for the, for uh, Great Britain in 2012 that was supposed to win all these medals, and he didn't medal. And so he started to get criticized online. And a teen tweeted him and said, uh, "Let me get the exact quote for you." Quote, you let your father down, you know that. The diver's father had recently died of brain cancer. Okay, I'm saying this to kind of shock you a little bit, because I want, people are mean and cruel. And if you don't think so, I would argue you're probably not living in the real world, and probably somewhat in a little bit of a bubble. And especially when you have money, which most of us here do, it kind of hides and masks that. And we learn how to be mean in a way or cruel in a way that's socially acceptable. We don't push it too far, but still deep inside of us, we have that ability to poke and jab at somebody if you don't think any of that's serious, like, oh, you know, someone got rid of a puppy or online bullying, they should have tougher skin. Do you know what's going on in Iraq right now? Have you seen some of this on the news? I mean, I start Googling this stuff. I want it, like, it's shocking, right? The one reporter, the one thing I was watching on, I think it was CNN, he was quoted saying um, that this group ISIS, is a, which is a radical Islamic group, uh, that is killing Christians in the area. He said, They are raping and killing the women, crucifying the men, and systematically beheading the children because they are Christians. They are raping and killing the women, crucifying the men, and beheading the, systematically beheading the children because they are Christians. And so now we have all of these this mass exodus of Christians fleeing for their lives. I mean, this... If you don't think, I mean, that, right, is the ultimate, mean isn't even the word for it, right? We'd probably just say it's evil. I'm really giving you a pick-me-up sermon this morning, right? I'm saying all this to set up this point, okay? That this is our nature. You look back throughout all of history, it is filled with hate, okay, with evil, with meanness, towards one another. We read about it all the time now, right? Wars have been fought over this. It wasn't any different in the Bible times. So often I hear like, oh, our society is going down the tubes. Like if we were, how it was back in Bible times. Do you know how bad it was in Bible times? I can't even read you half of this stuff because I'd be pulled off the pulpit, right? It's that shocking, right? What is... Remember Sodom and Gomorrah, what they were doing? Do you remember the story when the angels come and what happens to the women that are put out instead of them? Go read about it. You remember the flood? Right? Why does God destroy the earth? The Lord saw how great the wickedness of human race had become on the earth and that every Inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all of the time. Can you imagine how bad it must have been that God said, "Here's my option. I'll take like eight people, put them on a boat, and wipe everything else out." There's tons of lists all throughout Scripture of what we are like. Galatians 5, 19, right before we get the fruit of the Spirit. Do you want to put that up? So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Next one. This is what I want. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I'm going to keep going with you. Can you put up um, Titus, the, the Titus one? Speaking again, what you are like apart from God. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy. This is the best one. Being hated and hating one another. I'm going to give you one more. Can you put up the Romans one? There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God, the, before that, it says there is no one righteous, right? There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away, they have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. This is our world, this is our society, this is human nature. I'm setting this up so that you realize that when we're talking about the fruits of the Spirit, it is nothing that you produce on your own. Because on your own, you produce that list. I've told the students before, I'm mad have set it up here, I, I know I would be a disaster without Christ. Because all of that stuff, all of that evil... That's my flesh, that's in me, that's what I want to do naturally. And it's been happening since the fall of man. Is everybody kind of with me there? I really want you to understand that because I think so often we go like, oh, you know, they, they're a pretty good person and yeah, they, they might be a good person or, you know, they're kind, they're generous or or whatever you want to say about someone, the platitudes you give them. But without Christ in your life, you will never produce the fruits of the Spirit. So when we were um, earlier in the year looking over the summer series and kind of going, okay, here's what's being preached this week, this week, this week. And it got to me. Um, and, and I'm looking, okay, I have this one. I had joy. Oh, I, I like that one. I had uh, patience. I'm like, oh, That's going to be a good one. I got kindness. And honestly, I wasn't that excited. Um, I'm like, kindness. uh, Okay, I'm going to preach a whole sermon on kindness. And not that, okay, this makes me sound so evil. Uh, You know, not that uh, I don't know about kindness or that I don't try to be kind, I guess. But it's just kind of a word that we toss around out there, right? Oh, they're so kind. Such a kind person. But what does that even really mean? My wife earlier in the week goes, Oh, how's your, how, you know, what are you preaching on? And I go, I have kindness. Um, and usually that's when I kind of give her a mini sermonette about calling her to righteousness and convicting of sin and da da da, you know, all the things she wants to hear. Um, but I, you know, kind of, I'm a talker, so I spill it all out. Um, and so she says, What are you speaking on? I said, Kindness. She goes, And. And that's it. That's all I got. (laughs) I don't got much. You know, sometimes, just to give you a little info, well, John knows everything. That's why he's the senior pastor. I'm just a, a youth pastor, so I don't know everything in the Bible. And so there's times where you get something to speak on, and you really I don't know. And so I have to really start searching and digging in the Bible to figure out the truth of it. Because if I, you're all coming on a Sunday morning to hear the truth of God's word, and I'm not really sure what to give you. And so this week, I, to be honest, I had to do a lot of studying to try to figure out okay, what is kindness? We throw it around, but what is it? And so the first thing I always do um, is I start to try to figure out okay, what is like the root word? Like, what's the original word? Um, and and so i went back to the to the galatians chapter and i and i started reading about it and the root word is christotes Sounds like a Mexican, like, appetizer. I'll, like, <laughs> that's what I kept thinking. Every time I was, like, practicing saying it, I'm like, cristates, cristates. I'll take four cr- cristates, please. <laughs> right? It's like a deep-fried, get a dipping sauce. <laughs> like, that's, I just kept thinking about it, like, that it's a dish to eat. Um, cristates. Uh, but that's the root word uh, for Kindness. Uh, that we find in, in, in our, our verse on uh, the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, that the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Christotes. So, okay, what does Christotes mean? And so I, I have to start looking it up, right? Figure out what exactly does this word mean. Um, and so you go to different commentaries and start reading those and what people say about that original word. Um, and and one, one person wrote, Kindness is a reflection of benevolence in action. Um, it's goodness that is in action and is expressed in deed. Kindness is that temper or disposition which delights in contributing to the happiness of others, which is exercised cheerfully in gratifying their wishes and which supplies their wants or alleviates their They're the stresses. Kindness is not just a sweet disposition, but is a serving trait. Kindness is not just a sweet disposition, but a serving trait. When I started to look up Christates, okay, it's this action. It's not just, oh, they're kind, this action, okay? Can you put up the full Titus um, reference? So, can you go back to the previous slide? So we go through, you were one time foolishness, right? Fools, you were living in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another, kind of this this life before Christ, okay? Your natural, this fleshly self. And then it says this, but when the kindness, the Christotes, and love of our God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of righteousness, the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing and rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out to us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. What changed? All this evil, all this, all this hate in us, hating people, hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. He changed everything. He poured out His Holy Spirit on us. He gave us Jesus. Jesus was the action of kindness. Okay? If kindness is an action, okay? Jesus was the action. Because God is going to take what is separated from Him, okay? Which is now nothing good can come of this, and He's going to show His kindness through an action. So that you can have life and life more abundant. I slipped in those other verses. Um, You know where, can you put the Romans one up? Do you know where Christotes is in this? There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good. Christates. There is no one who shows this kindness in action. Not just a sweet disposition, not like, oh, she's a kind old lady, but in action, It shows up all throughout Scripture, and so as I'm kind of studying, I'm going, okay, where else can I find this in Scripture? Um, and one of the places that is really fascinating is in Matthew eleven thirty. Which word is it? Easy. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's actually uh, the adjective of Christotes, Christos. For my yoke is kind and my burden is light. See, a yoke was used, right, to put on two animals to help them probably plow the field, right? And so it was this huge wooden beam almost that latched over their necks that you would then attach the equipment to. Um, But a good yoke was one that wouldn't rub Right? The cows, the bulls, the horses, it wouldn't rub their necks raw, it wouldn't be harsh or, or sharp. Okay? It, it would fit perfectly on their necks. Okay, it would be smooth and it would help them to do the work. Um, and Jesus then goes, My yoke is kind, saying that what he's giving you, what he's putting on you, is for your benefit. Um, it's not something that's harsh. It's not something that is sharp, but it's something that is mild, something that is easy. And so we get, look it up, if, you know, you know, when you get home, you can type Christotes into Google and say, where is this in the Bible? And it will, phew, it's easy. we will pop it, all these different verses up for you. And they're almost all exclusively talking about the kindness of God towards us through Jesus Christ. So then I'm thinking, okay, so I'm starting to understand this, this word, this kindness, that um, it's this action. It's, it's not just a disposition, but it's this, uh, this, this kindness that helps. Uh, it's a goodness that helps. Um, I, I liked one other quote that this, this guy said. He said, Kindness is not the apathetic response to sin, but a deliberate act to bring the sinner back to God. The kindness of God, though we are this, death, evil, mean, right? Everything that kindness is not. Okay, he showed us kindness so that we can then have life. And as I was searching scripture some more and starting to look at some Old Testaments, the Old Testament, I found this great story. And it's kind of the story that I want to share with you and end with. Um, and it's about King David. And if you remember, actually, two weeks, we talked about David showing uh, patience, long-suffering to Saul. Some of you remember that? That Remember, Saul was hunting him down to kill him, yet David kept displaying this patience, this long-suffering with him, putting up with him, not trying to kill him in return. Um, so we get now uh, in 2 Samuel uh, and it's about chap- chapter 1 really is where it kicks off that Jonathan, Saul's son, who was best friends with David, and Saul end up dying in battle. Okay, They die uh, in battle, and, and David finds out, and, and he is grieved and saddened, and he starts to mourn. Um, but some of Saul's uh, following um, realize that David might take over the kingdom. And they don't want that to happen. And so they start to raise up to fight David. Um, now that Saul is dead and Jonathan, who is next in line, is dead. And so they start to fight him and they, they crown one of Saul's other sons as kings. And there's this big kind of civil war that goes on. Um, and, and David's kind of in Jerusalem, uh, in Judea and and. and Saul's house is up in Jerusalem, and there's this fighting that goes on between them, but eventually, all of Saul's kind of following, those men all die, Um, not really by David's hand, uh, but by other people's hands, and David is actually upset when people die. The, The general of the army dies, Abner, who was kind of at the forefront of trying to get David out. He dies and is actually murdered, and and David is upset about it. He's like, a good man has died. Like, this isn't a time for rejoicing. This is a time for mourning. And so even though David, God is leading David to take over and kind of squashing everything underneath him, he's still saddened by people dying and the death. And so it says that David finally takes over the kingdom. And it kind of has some peace. He defeats the Philistines and some other Steens and Ites, right? And he fights them. And he has a little bit of peace in the land for a time. And this is where the story picks up. And he calls calls his servants and, and he goes, can you find anybody that's left of Saul's house? Is there any relative of Saul that's left? I want you to find them because I want to show kindness to them for the sake of Jonathan. See, Jonathan and him, right? You know the story had been best friends. They had actually sworn to each other, right, to show kindness to one another. Jonathan helps him escape at one point from Saul. And David swears to him that, you know, he would be kind to his relatives. And so David wants to kind of fulfill that oath he took. And so he calls a servant, and he says, is there anyone left that's a relative of Jonathan? Anybody left? And there's one person left. The hardest name to pronounce in the Bible. <laughs> I'm going I'm to say it, and then I'm going to say it differently every time, probably, just so you know. Uh, but it's Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth is the grandson of Saul, the son of Jonathan... And he is this man that is actually, it says, he is lame in both feet. And the reason he's lame in both feet, it talks about that when Saul and Jonathan die, his nurse picks him up and starts to flee the city. Now, why does she do this? Okay. Well, is next in line. David wants to be king. David is going to kill this little boy, five years old. And so she takes him and runs away. It says that in her haste, she falls, and that Mophibosheth becomes crippled. His, both his feet, it says, are lame. So fast forward now many years, it says that Mophibosheth actually now has a son, and David is looking for someone to show kindness to. And so he calls a servant and says, can you find me anybody? And it comes out that the, Mophibosheth is the last one left. And he's lame in both feet, it says, and he's staying in Lodabar in somebody else's house. He's basically hiding. What's interesting is Lodabar means no pasture or no place of pasture. Kind of signifying that Mephibosheth, though he was heir to Saul and to Jonathan, he didn't have anything. He was staying at someone else's house, right? Kind of couch surfing and so David finds out that this guy exists, and he says, bring him to me. Now, if you were Mephibosheth, this would be terrifying, because David could be tying up all the loose ends, right? Anybody that could hurt my kingdom, taking care of him. So let's put that up there, and I'll read you um, what takes place in 2 Samuel chapter 9, starting in 6. When Mophibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. And David said, Mophibosheth, your servant, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mophibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? David calls this cripple, someone who's been cast aside, it's really been on the run, a nobody. He calls him and he says, I want to show you kindness for the sake of Jonathan, your father. A verse er earlier, he actually says, can you put up The verse 3, Dina? The king asked, Is there no one still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Is there no one left whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in both feet. David is looking, searching for someone to show the kindness of God to them on behalf of Jonathan, his friend. And so he gets this cripple from low to bar, this man who has absolutely nothing, who is no one, who is staying in somebody else's house, and he calls him and he says, I want to show you kindness. And he gives them, he gives Mephibosheth all of the land that Saul had. He goes on to give him all the servants that Saul had and all the servants, kids that Saul had had. He gives them basically more than what Saul had. And then he goes, I want you to eat at my table. You're going to eat with me every day at my table as one of my sons. I want to show you kindness For your father Jonathan. I have honestly can never remember reading this story. It's like an obscure one chapter kind of reference that is tossed in there, um, and we can miss it. But here's why I love it. Because you and I are Mophibosheth. You and I are lame and crippled apart from God, apart from the king. Let me read you a couple. Just like Mephibosheth, we are hiding, poor, weak, and lame. We are separated from the king because of our wicked ancestors. We are separated from the king because of our deliberate actions. We, are sep- we separate ourselves from the king because we don't know him and his love for us. See, David never said, I'm going to come after all of Saul's family and kill them. But instantaneously, when Saul and Jonathan died, that's what everybody thought. That would be the natural thing to do. And so they run. And so because Mophibosheth doesn't know the king and his love, he hides. The king's kindness is extended to us for the sake of another. David extends kindness, God's kindness, to Mophibosheth for the sake of Jonathan. Jonathan. The king's kindness is based on a covenant. The king returns to us what we lost in hiding from him. We are received as sons at the king's table with access to the king and fellowship with him. It goes on to say that Mophibosheth spends the rest of his life at David's table. You and I are Mophibosheth. We have a great king who we have been separated from. But because of his kindness, we sit at the table. We have life. But here's, if the band you guys want to come up, here's what I want to leave you with. You are not just Mophibosheth. You are also David. You have been shown a great kindness. Okay? And now, the fruit of that should be producing more kindness. Look what David did for Mephibosheth. <clears throat> he sought him out. He sought his enemies and he seeks to be kind to them and bless them. That's what you and I should be doing. We should be looking for the poor, the weak, the lame, the hidden to be kind and to bless them. We sh- we We should be kind and bless others when they don't deserve it and bless them more than what they deserve. We should bless others for the sake of someone else. We must show God's kindness to others. Colossians 3 writes, Those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion and kindness, Christotes, humility, gentleness, and patience. Love your enemies, do good and lend to them, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. You will be sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind, Chris thought this, to ungrateful and to evil men. The reason we can produce this fruit of kindness is not that it's something I can conjure up on my own. It's not something that I will naturally produce. Though it might look better in others than some, ultimately, what I talked about in the beginning is the heart of all of us. But because of the kindness of Christ, he's changed everything. He's changed where you now live, right? You don't live in a land of no pasture. You now sit at the king's table and are regarded as one of his sons. And because of this kindness, if we stay rooted in this kindness, if we abide in Him, we will produce it in our lives. You want to produce the kindness of God? you got to understand and tap into Him. Stay connected. Abide. Seek the root, not the fruit. It will come. It comes slowly at times. It maybe isn't as bright as that over there and the little pictures, but this is real. This is real. So I hope today as you go and as, as, as we sing kind of... Uh, what's the song again? I just went blank. I Have Decided. We're playing that because that is really the attitude of kindness. That I have, right, that I've decided to follow Christ and what He calls me to. That I need to show kindness in action. Not just in word, right, But indeed, it's not just an attitude or a disposition, but it is an action. Let's sing.